0: So it's not a huge passage, but it's a very rich passage we read this morning. So Philippians 2, 5 to 11. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is God's Word, and would you pray with me before we study this together? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for what we just read here in Philippians, and we pray that as we study it now that you would grant us a wonderful understanding of it. And we pray that as we have an understanding of these things, that we might not only know the things that are here, but that you might work inside each and every one of us, that we might apply these things to our lives, that our humility might grow as a result of our time in your word together this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, we really have a beautiful example of humility there in Philippians chapter 2. Now I've titled the sermon, Great Humility. And our two points this morning, firstly we see the model of Christ, and secondly we see the name that is above every name. But first, as we look at the, uh, the model of Christ, the model that we have in Jesus, I say straight away, there is no greater example. There is no greater model that we could base our lives off. We often find ourselves in different circumstances, in different areas of life, having uh, role models or people who are often in the public eye, or perhaps not, could be a mum or dad or anyone like that, who we, who we look up to somebody who exhibits a characteristic that we think is admirable and we seek to, to model that behaviour. I think it's always going to be too soon to use this example. Not enough time could pass for the pain to go away. But in 2018, the Australian cricket team was involved in sandpaper gate. They were caught on film using sandpaper to rough up the cricket ball that it would have more swing and more movement than it should have had at that point in time. It's cheating. Steve Smith and David Warner were primarily involved in that and you'd arguably say that Steve Smith as a captain of the team should take greater responsibility for it and if you don't know Steve Smith and Dave Warner very famous cricketers you really should know them there's no excuse for not. Steve Smith though before that he, he was this fairly quiet fella but he was a guy who had this intensity about him he probably revealed too many emotions on the pitch on the cricket field but there was this quiet intensity and he was just so committed and is still incredibly committed to to honing his craft to being the best cricketer that he could be there was a competitiveness there there was an edge to win a drive to win and obviously there was a bit of a culture problem not just with with Smith but with the Australian cricket team and that drive to win led to things coming very very unstuck now, when this happened in 2018, I don't think I'd ever heard as many people talking about cricket as I had at that point in time. As uh, this, uh, this heinous act of ball tampering blew up across the world as a global story, it was a, a shocking thing because as a kid growing up, who do you want to be when you're playing cricket in the backyard? You want to be the captain of the Australian men's cricket team. You want to be that person and people and when I say people here, I'm talking about sports journalists, was going as far as to say that the captain of the Australian men's cricket team is the most important office in the country. And that man, not really, but that man failed. Steve Smith failed his responsibility to his country, to his team. It fell apart dismally. There was poor leadership that allowed the events to take place to, to even be considered, let alone done. Now, we find role models in all sorts of areas. We find role models in the realms of sport, in music, in arts, our teachers, parents, brothers and sisters, all sorts of things, people who we look up to. Now, as I said at the start, Jesus Christ is the greatest model we could ever have because when the pressure was applied to him, he did not take shortcuts, he did not cheat, he did not crumble under that pressure on his way to achieving the greatest victory ever the most astounding victory over sin and death. What Paul does here in giving us Jesus Christ is an example, a role model who can be applied to every area of our life, not just somebody who applies to sport or music or arts or whatever it might be. This is a beautiful example, one for each and every one of us. Now, one of the things that we we read last week that we spoke about in the children's talk, uh, particularly looking at chapter 2, verse 3, is that we are to look To the interests of others, this means putting putting others before ourselves. Putting others before ourselves. When it says that we are talking about here of esteeming the interests of others, we're not just looking at being aware of what's happening in the lives of other people. Not just talking about being nosy neighbours who know a whole lot of things about other people but don't actually do anything. Is actively working to put their interests ahead of our own. This is what leads us into Paul talking about this example of Christ today. Because that task, while it sounds very easy on paper to do, to put others first. Three words, all very simple. Not many syllables involved in each of them, so I'm fine with them. But the practice of them is incredibly difficult, to put others first. This is a very, very difficult task. And I know this because I so often want to put Callum first and then others. I don't think it would be out of line for me to assume that's the case for more than just myself in this room here, that we tend to be put before others. See, Paul knows that we don't just need to know this truth that we are to esteem others better than ourselves. He doesn't just know that that we need to be aware that we should put others first. He knows that we need a role model to see what this looks like, someone whose behaviour we can copy, someone whose behaviour we can we can emulate, because we so often just cannot figure this out on our own. So again, he holds up this perfect example of Christ. As you work on working together, as you work on being less and less less selfish, have. Christ in mind is what Paul is telling us this morning. Togetherliness uh, uh, and unity are really, really important. And Paul's been ramping up his discussion of unity leading into this, which we we spent a fair bit of time on last week, and that continues to be a theme as we look at this today. Have this in mind. Let Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, talking to a whole church, together have this mindset. Let this be in your minds as a whole church. And we read what we did. We read verses 5 to 11 of Philippians chapter 2 and we see the glory ramping up we see the the, the 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 things just building as we work through it's an incredibly beautiful passage one of the things we can take away from that is where we are tempted to not esteem others better than ourselves we often fall back on what right we have to look after ourselves first if anyone ever had a right to esteem themselves as better than others it would hands down no contest be Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who is fully God and fully man. This is not just a man we are talking about. This is why we read Daniel chapter 7. This is the Ancient of Days. This is God incarnate who took on human form, the second person of the Trinity. Jesus Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, as we might read in the ESV. as another translation. His selfishness isn't just restraint or selflessness is not just restraint in in not acting on selfish impulses. He goes further. He, He humbles himself entirely by emptying himself of his glory. Now, when we read those words, don't just read those words and think that's nice and form some level of separation between ourselves and those words. Don't keep these words at arm's length. Dive into those words then. Because Paul is giving us this beautiful image here, this incredibly challenging image here of the perfect model in humility. This is the most real and the most authentic case of humility we could ever imagine. Real and authenticity and humility are there in Christ myself, and they are lacking elsewhere. Now, we can often do and say things that look humble, but aren't necessarily <coughs> humble. A few weeks ago, we had a family get-together, and my brothers and I tend to have a little bit of banter. Now, one of them said something about me, which was a very fair comment, and rather than defending myself, because I knew that if I defended myself, this would just keep going, I said, yeah, you're right. That looked and sounded humble at the time, apparently, but I was just protecting myself from further insults throughout the night. I was shutting the conversation down. See, sometimes things that look humble aren't always humble. I was still trying to to get ahead of things and look after myself. What we see in Christ is nothing like that at all. This is the second person of the Trinity who, who empties himself of his glory, who took on human flesh, who died in our places. This is not a useless PR stunt to make people think a little bit better of God, to rig up a few more votes before an upcoming election, or or however these things so often play out in public eye. Jesus Christ, Paul tells us, became a man. He took on human flesh. This is the eternal God taking on flesh that will not last. This is the eternal God stepping into a world full of sin. This is holy God who there is no spot or blemish with living among fallen human beings. He took on human flesh and then he went even further and was obedient to the will of the father so much so that he died the cruelest death imaginable death on the cross. Words cannot express the gravity of this event. Words cannot express the extent of humility required by Jesus to do this. Jesus was not paying his own debt. Jesus was not paying for his own sins when he died on the cross. Jesus was paying for the sins of other people who had wronged him. He is not the one who incurred this debt. He is not the one who had anything owing, yet still he paid the price for us. And it was not a financial payment. This is with his lifeblood. He gave his life. So when Paul says, let this be in mind in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, humility before the Father is essential. Have this clearly in mind and stop to think about our own lives. Stop to think about how we're going with esteeming others as better than ourselves as one of those expressions of unity which Paul tells us the church must have. If I'm being honest, my my own sense of pride... My own sense of entitlement, my own sense of I-know-better-than-you attitude, which sometimes comes up at the worst possible time, always comes up at the worst possible times. Sometimes just plain apathy. Not my problem. I'm sure they can figure it out for themselves. These sorts of things get in the way of me properly getting stuck into and properly involved in the the participation that we are to have with understanding one another is better than ourselves. They often prevent me from fully being as engaged in the advancement of the gospel that, that Paul is calling us to be part of. And when I see and examine my own reasons for not being humble, for not practicing the sort of unity and fellowship that we're meant to have, for not working for God's glory the way I meant to, I realise that realistically I have absolutely no reason to act in those ways. I have no reason to act in those ways and none of us have any reason to act in those ways. There is no reason that is good enough to justify selfish behavior from any of us here. we are not perfect. Christ was and is and always will be perfect. He has been from the beginning. But this is the model of humility that Paul talks about here, that he emptied himself of glory so that through through his death, through his paying the price on our behalf, we can enter into glory And be with the Father as co-heirs of Jesus, sharing an inheritance that we only have because of what Christ's enacted humility achieved for us. See, his humility, his humility gave us life because he laid down his. He acted in perfect obedience to the will of the Father. This is what we're called to do. This is not an abstract example that Paul gives us of Jesus was humble, so you be humble. It's be humble in fulfilling the will of the Father and being obedient to the will of the Father. So last week, There are those who threaten the church in horrendous ways, those who cause tremendous suffering to the church, those who who would stand against us. We need to stand united in God against those things, where we have opportunity to to tell others of his word, take those opportunities to tell others of, of his word. It might cost us. It might cost us to stand on those things that are made clear in Scripture, but if it costs us life now, we do have life eternal because of what God did. We so often look to protecting ourselves because we like what we have. But the humility that Christ shows us is to serve God in all things. He died for our sins in our place. Now as we come to our second and final point, we see the name that is above all names. At this point you might be wondering what the point of all this is because it might not seem like a great example to follow somebody who died. It simply might not seem like good maths to follow the example of somebody who gave his life. We aren't God, we cannot do the things that God did in dying on the cross. We, what's the point of us really following this example if it just resulted in death? All that humility may not sound like it matters all that much or counts all that much if it just results in somebody dying. But that's not all there is, is there? And we meet on Sundays. We meet on Sundays because that was the day that our Lord Jesus Christ was raised back to debt, back to life. He is living. He is risen. And that resurrection of Christ plays such a crucial role in what we believe and what we say as Christians. Uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, effectively saying that that if there's no resurrection, then what we believe and what we preach is just useless. What's the point of it all? You see, it didn't just lead to death, it led to things greater than that. It led to resurrection, it led to eternal life. With all of the things we've looked at leading up to this point, This is a context in which we are called to live in unity with one another. This is a context in which we are called to to live lives of humble service to God and to others. Lives where, where we esteem God to be far more precious than anything else. Lives where second to God we consider the needs of others and act in unity together that the name of Jesus might be known throughout the whole world. Not just known as a man who who lived and died some 2,000 years ago. But the name of Jesus might be known that people might realize that he is God. God who came into this world that we live in. God who gave up his life on the cross to pay for our sins. God who after three days, God the Son was raised back to life by the Father as he promised he would be. And look at verses 9 to 11 of Philippians. I don't think Anna would mind me saying this. This is her favorite passage in Scripture. I hope hope I'm doing service to it. It's a bit of pressure when your wife loves it so much. Now look at these words here. Therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God has given to Jesus Christ the name that is above every name. Do we realize the significance of that? If you were to ask people around us what that meant, they'd probably say something like it results in a calendar that gives us two public holidays every year, Christmas and Easter. But it's more than that, isn't it? The name of Jesus has been Exalted. In the name of Jesus it is powerful, we see here. The power of his name is so great that every single person who ever has lived and ever will live will respond in one of two ways. There will not be a middle ground here. We will respond in one of two ways, both with the same end result. We will willingly bow the knee to him, or we will unwillingly bow the knee to him. In both cases, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every single knee will bow, every single tongue will acknowledge that he is Lord and give the Father glory as a result. Praise God that the Spirit has moved within each one of us, that we willingly declare that he is Lord. Praise God that we can declare that he is Lord that the Father might receive the glory and honour and praise just as the salvation plan set forth in the Garden of Eden intended. Some people, those who deny God, will perhaps look as if this isn't happening for quite some time. But at some point, they will grudgingly acknowledge Jesus as Lord, either when they die or upon his return, depending on what happens first. And really, these are the choices that every single person is faced with, to either praise God willingly, to declare Jesus is Lord now willingly, or to unwillingly be forced to do it later on. What a joy it is to do this now. What a joy it is right now to declare that Jesus is God and in him is salvation. Look around us right now. We need hope, don't we? We see the effect of The pandemic and we see changes happening quickly we see lockdowns we see restrictions we see these things we live in a world which particularly at the moment in Australia we know we need hope we have it in Christ we have salvation from something even more oppressive in Christ so we might look at this and perhaps we do say that the humility of Christ just resulted in death And if we follow in that humility, it just results in more hardship and more persecution and more difficulty. That's not how we're to look at what Paul is saying about the effect of the gospel. And for those who believe in the gospel, those who trust in God, those who are saved by Christ and Christ alone, we live a life, the Christian life and the Christian faith is actually about victory. It's about a victory that each one of us can declare today. It's a victory that needs to be heard across the whole world. We see a job before us. We see a task to do. It's a big job, isn't it? The world is a big place. But it's not just about us as individuals remember that unity remember that and that's not a word but i like it togetherliness we're in it together because god has brought us together as we look around we can we can recognize brothers and sisters in the lord and we can work together each one of us caring for and valuing god above all else This is faithful service to God. This is an example of what it is to live for him, to be humble before him. In case we've forgotten, Paul is writing this letter from prison. Paul is writing this letter while wearing chains. He is in chains for busting his gut for the sake of the gospel going out. He has worked hard for this to happen, but he isn't sitting in prison. They didn't have flashing neon signs at the time, but he's not putting up those flashing neon signs to honor himself. Look what I did for God. He's sitting in prison writing to the Philippians, and God's preserved this for us as well. He's writing to the Philippians, not telling them how wonderful he is. He writes to them to continue to tell them how wonderful God is. They face hardship, they face persecution, they face opposition in their faith, the the same things that we face as well. But Paul tells them about how awesome God is. He tells them about what God has done. He tells them about what God is doing. He tells them about what God will do. And he wants us and them to praise the name of Jesus and in giving praise to Jesus, we also give praise to the Father. He is not interested in praise coming his way, and we shouldn't be either. Even if our faith is the catalyst for for someone seeing the work of God and coming to faith because of our witness themselves, we can't take credit for ourselves because God has used us in that situation. He has given us the faith in the first place. He has given us the opportunity to have that discussion. He's given us the knowledge to live out the gospel truths. Be humble even in that. Rejoice when we see souls saved, but always give credit to God in all that we do. Perhaps you're talking to somebody who has been really down. As a result of your conversation and you sharing the gospel with them, their spirits seem lifted a little bit. Once more, give praise to God. You've been able to have people over and engage in hospitality. Give praise to God because He has given you the opportunity to do those things. It comes back to praising God. We must make it about God. In our humility, we have to live for God and make it all about Him. He is the one who must get the praise, and we are the ones who should be humble. As soon as we praise ourselves, we've taken our eyes off the prize. We should ask and encourage one another to, 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 to have humility before God. That we might fulfill Jesus' wonderful summary of the law, to, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and to love your neighbour as yourself. And again, look to Christ. Because he is the perfect example of all of this. He is the one who perfectly shows us how to be humble and obedient to the Father in all things, regardless of what it might cost us here on earth. He was obedient to the Father and the Father exalted his name above every name. The question we have to ask ourselves is, are we living a life modelled after Christ and showing real humility? seeking to do the will of the Father no matter what price we might pay here on earth? Or are we more interested in looking after ourselves now, regardless of the cost later on, and building up a th- whole heap of things that we'll regret? Either we go to meet God, or he returns first. Now hope and prayer, is each one of us here, is joyfully willingly, praising God, lifting his name on high. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for what we see of Christ's example for us here in these short verses that we've read today. We pray, O God, that you would Soften each one of our hearts in those areas where we need to be softened, that we might better follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray, O oh God, that we won't just have lips that say that we are Christians and say all the right things and give all the right answers, but that in every area of our life, that we might be shown to be wonderful ambassadors for you as you move us, shape us and grow us according to your will. I pray that we might... Always be humble before you and we pray that your spirit might grant us to to grow in grace and humility each and every day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.